0: Thank you very much. Get this on. Okay. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this privilege and for this uh, moment. I pray that you will fill it with uh, eternity, that we will drink and eat of food that never perishes. I pray that you will quicken our mortal bodies and quicken our minds and our spirits. I pray, Father, that you will speak to us. I pray that you will quicken us with a fresh understanding of where we need to go and what we need to do. Help us on this journey not to become settlers prematurely. We thank you for your word and all those that gave their lives that we could have it and those that are giving their lives for it right now. And all of those who shed blood that we might have the freedom to read it, to know it. We pause and say thank you, Lord, for them. Help us to be worthy heirs of their legacy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, let's get our Bibles and uh, let's turn to Luke 24. I appreciate uh, the privilege again to be here and <clears throat> share the platform with Tom and Brother Jim and, and uh, Jim LaFoon and, and I especially appreciate the, uh, the worship music. Some of these songs I haven't heard in a while and uh, they brought back good memories. They still work. Well, I don't have a gift of electronics, I'm sorry. Okay. All right, we okay? How much do I owe you? Uh, it's all right? All right, I'm sorry about that. I appreciate music. I took violin when I was young. I was the only one that could make my teacher cuss. And. Uh, I took up football. Anyway, I appreciate uh, good music. I really love it. I am uh, so grateful.
1: I've
0: reached, I've reached the age where I buy products based on how easy it is to open the package. I don't know if any of you do that or not. <laughs> I carry a hatchet with me. Anyway, I'm, um, some of you will understand what I'm saying minister got a, a letter from a parishioner that says, why don't you have the courage to tell the truth? Why don't you man up and tell it like it is? Signed, Anonymous. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to resist. <laughs> Go ahead, John. Go ahead. <laughs> Pastor asked the guy, he said, why don't you give more? He said, because God loves a cheerful giver, and I couldn't be cheerful if I gave any more. <laughs> anyway. I... Uh, <clears throat> I'm uh, <laughs> No, it's ethnic. It's about the Scot and, and the Hebrew guy, and you can't do that anymore at the offering time, and, uh, so I'm not going to tell it. <laughs> 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 but uh, the pastor decided, and I have Scottish heritage too, so I, can, I guess I can do this. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they, they, they always knew when the pastor was going to take the offering, so they came in afterwards. And so after the service, the pastor took the offering. One of them passed out and the other one carried him out. But it's, uh, anyway, I appreciate the fact that uh, you guys are generous. Um, Preeminent in fellowship. He is preeminent in all things. I want to read from Luke 24, verse 13. And I'm going to read a fair amount. I'll try not to keep you too long. But I'm going to read this, verse 13, New King James. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. Actually, it was seven miles downhill. And they talked together, and all these things of all these things which had happened, So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this you're you're having with one another as you walk and are sad? Then one of those whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem, and have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, the, uh, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart, to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them, and all the scriptures of things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us. Abide with us. For it is toward evening, when the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed it, and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road, and now he was known to them in the breaking of bread. <clears throat> Paul says in Colossians, Christ is our life. <clears throat> Fellowship is shared life um don't you wish all that we often call fellowship was actually sharing life and encouragement um, we we uh we gather around a lot of different things we have hobbies we have sports we have a lot of reasons to gather but as followers of Jesus who are who are involved with Him in the journey, uh, our primary focus when we gather really ought to be the life that we have in Christ. Now, I'm not so spiritual that I can't talk about other things, but I believe we would all be better off if when we got together we were sharing what the Lord is saying to us. I appreciate getting with people who are hearing something from God. And we have had this theme of going through dark places. And when you do, it's a wonderful thing to be with somebody that has an uplifting word that God has given to them and is giving to you. The Bible says that we will gather together the more we see the day approaching. I... uh, I have been very interested in the persecuted church, Um, I know others of you are, it's it's a great tragedy what is happening to our brothers and sisters in some countries and I pray for them daily and literally ask God to have mercy and uh, I wonder how you do church when church can get you killed. I would say however they do church is probably very very New Testament, wouldn't you say? It's very much like the early church did church. They gathered together, they spoke one to another. A text that has meant so much to me in recent months is Malachi three, sixteen through eighteen. Those that feared the Lord spoke one to another, and the Lord heard them. I think that Where two or three are gathered together in His name is perhaps the best definition of church there is. It's not how many come or what you do, but it's that we gather unto Him and we're sharing His life together, whether it's two or three. Sometimes it can be more powerful when it's two or three. I've had some of my most encouraging moments with someone who had a word from the Lord and the two of us were eating together or three of us where two or three Jesus himself gave us that definition gathering around Christ gives us a different perspective on life and on where we are and perspective is very important it's almost everything these two guys are going away from Jerusalem having witnessed The worst event in their lifetime, and from a natural perspective, one of the worst events in all of history. They had seen the one in whom they had placed their utmost hope, the one to whom they had committed themselves, the one that they believed was sinless, and believed that he was the Messiah. That he was the prophet that should come, that was going to redeem Israel the one in whom their forefathers had hoped. This was the one, and they had seen him put on trial. Whether they actually saw the cross or whether they were among those that fled, I don't know. But they knew enough about it to know what had happened. This is what I call fellowshipping disappointments. And an awful lot of our, quote, fellowship is around our disappointments. Primarily because we don't have a uh, divine perspective. They were going seven miles downhill. <clears throat> that's fellowshipping downhill. And uh, that's a long walk, even downhill. I can only imagine the tenor of, of their conversation. If I were to place myself on that, having experienced what they experienced, I'd be exceedingly sorrowful. I wouldn't know where to go from there. The last several years of my life had been based on a hope. The nearest thing to hell on earth is hopelessness, because that is the essence of hell. And so here these guys are walking away, and they're conversing, and they're saying, We had hoped. Past tense. The interesting thing is, and of course they had not been convinced by somebody else's testimony. Do you know know there's sometimes when somebody else's testimony is just not enough? Somebody's already alluded to that. I don't know if it was you, Tom, or whether it was Jim. But sometimes hearing it from somebody else is not enough. And there were women who had gone and said the tomb was empty and they had seen an angel. But these guys were so deep into it They were not convinced. They weren't even lifted up at all. And uh, they're walking downhill. Uh, And the scripture says that Jesus joined their conversation. I, I wish I had really, earlier in my life, I wish I had really believed that Jesus was in my conversation. It would have changed a few of my conversations. And it might still change one or two. I I don't know. It could be possible. But when I I read that um, those that feared the Lord spoke one to another and Jesus heard it or God heard it, that tells me God listens yet. I don't understand, but he's better than NSA. He can pick up a conversation anywhere. And he joins their journey. Um, you know, if I if I could tune into people's conversation, I'd want to know that if they were talking about me, it was nice, <laughs> and I'd want to know they hadn't forgotten me. Um, I don't know how Jesus feels about all that, but I think he likes to be spoken of favorably by people whose life he saved. So he's he's walking with them. You know, they're walking along. They're so deep into it. As they look down where they're stepping and walking down, they're unaware that this third person is Jesus. Of course, uh, I imagine that he fixed it so they couldn't see who he was. He had done that before. Um, But he joins them and he asks questions. You know a question is more powerful than an answer a lot of times. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this? (laughs) If he he could speak to us in our conversation sometime, he'd probably say that. What kind of conversation? What kind of, what in the world are you talking about? (laughs) And if we didn't know who it was, we might tell him. (laughs) If we knew who it was, we might lie. But you know, uh, and Jesus Jesus pretended not to know. And uh, they said, are you the only guy in this town? you the only stranger <clears throat> that doesn't know what happened? <clears throat> Excuse me. And so they began to tell him what happened to him. I know God appreciates it when we tell him what, what happened to him. Um, <clears throat> and, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, he said, what things He wanted the details. He wanted it all. And so, uh, you know, they said, well, it's just three days ago. Surely, you've heard. For them, it was still Friday. It was Sunday. But it was still Friday. A lot of people are living like it's still Friday. It's tragic because it's not Friday anymore. Hallelujah. It's Sunday. It's Sunday every day. He's alive every day. Hallelujah. So Jesus begins to explain the scripture. Wouldn't you you love to have Jesus explain the scripture to you? You know, sometimes the Holy Spirit will come and he'll tell us something. But Jesus, the Bible says, went back to the prophets and Moses and began to explain the things concerning himself. Now, he didn't say that it was concerning himself at that point. But he he began to explain to them. I I tell you what. Jesus is in every page of the Old Covenant. Uh, It would be fantastic to have the author of the book explain the book. Have the Word of God explain the Word of God. And um, he took them there because the Bible is the best cure for doubt, and, and, and the best cure for uh, being downcast. I suspect he took them to, he might have taken them to uh, Deuteronomy 18, 15, where uh, Moses was told and told Israel that God was going to raise up a prophet like himself. He said, but you didn't want to hear the voice of God on the mountain but when this prophet comes, you're going to have to hear what he says, and everybody's going to give an account for what he says. That's in Deuteronomy. And so he goes goes through the Scripture. I'm sure he, he goes through the Psalms. Perhaps in Psalms uh, 22, where he describes the cross, and, and there weren't and crucifixions didn't happen among the Jews when Psalm 22 was written. Maybe he took them to Isaiah 50, any number of passages in Isaiah, or Isaiah 53, the great, the great chapter. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. Ne- Isaiah saw the cross clearer than the apostles did. He understood the substitutionary nature of the cross, and he explained the scripture to them. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. And then he says to them this. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things in order to enter into his glory? We don't have a theology of suffering today. I think that's already been alluded to. I think Tom mentioned that. I think Jim did too. The fact is, our theology is based primarily on success, if we can call it theology. And we, 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 you know, we tend to think if something bad happened to somebody, it's because either they sinned or they didn't have enough faith. And, and the fact is, you know, Psalm 23 says, Yea, though I walk through the valleys, through the valley of the shadow of death, i fear. It doesn't say around the valley, it says through the valley. And none of us want to go through suffering, and yet suffering for Jesus was a portal into glory. It was a door into the next dimension. And I don't, I don't advocate suffering. Um, you certainly don't want to suffer. And nevertheless, suffering seems to be part of life. And it, it was inconceivable to these guys that the Son of God would suffer. In fact, Islam has a real problem with the cross. And there are an awful lot of people who just can't believe that a person could be who Jesus said he was and suffer. That's not, that's not natural thinking because a natural man wants to avoid suffering at all costs. And yet the Lord has made suffering a portal into a higher dimension. There's no childbirth without suffering. A Birth begins with rejection. I don't remember being born, thank God, but um, I know I was, and I can only imagine what a baby goes through when it's about to be born. It's been in this comfortable place, and all of a sudden there are contractions, and it's being pushed, and and um, you know it 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 could die. I mean, that's suffering. And it had not even got here yet. And then when it gets born, it, the first thing it wants to do is cry. And yet it's entered the world it was made for. I think that's kind of the way it is. At the end of every age or period of our lives, God says, okay, it's time for th- this womb to reject you and push you in. <laughs> Don't shout me down because I'm preaching so good. You know, it's... <laughs> It's time for you to be rejected from this situation and pushed through a narrow place that could kill you, but it's going to bring you into a bigger place, and that's the purpose of God. Yeah, amen. I don't know if I should have even even on there. Anyway, but that's true. And when we look at it, we say, this doesn't make any sense. Why should that good person that we know and love and pray for, you know, why should they go through what they're going through? Paul calls it a momentary, a momentary situation. Well, they were looking at it through human eyes. Jesus was explaining from the scripture that it was necessary. No cross, no crown, no death, no resurrection. Um, so while he's talking to them about these things they say later our hearts burned within us it's wonderful when Jesus opens the scripture to us there's something exciting about it and I believe when the Holy Spirit opens it to us Jesus is opening it to us and so It's just like when he was walking on the water in the storm and he made as though he would pass by. He got through explaining it. They arrived at some house, apparently one they were familiar with. Maybe it was uh, one of their homes. I don't know. And he said, well, I'm going to be going a little further. I'll see you guys again. And they said, no. Please don't go. Abide with us. He left them hungry, and the fellowship with Jesus began to change the whole perspective. When he's preeminent in fellowship, our perspective changes. When they started down the hill, their perspective was dark, morose, and sad, and when Jesus joined them and began to open the scripture, it changed how they looked at what happened he said it was necessary i don't know if they fully understood that but this stranger was showing them from the scriptures that it was necessary and they began to change something began to change and then he said well i'll see you guys later and they said no don't go it's getting late Abide with us. In um, 1849, Henry Francis Light wrote a great hymn called Abide with Me, inspired by this scripture. He was about to pass on and be with the Lord. And before he died, he wrote, Abide with Me, fast, The evening tide. The darkness deepens. Lord, with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help or of the helpless, oh, abide with me. There's nothing like the presence of Jesus. And there's nothing like it in the presence when we gather two or three. Um, you ever been in a restaurant with somebody you love a spiritual brother, sister and you pray over the food or you begin to talk about the Lord and a presence settles on the table you can have church right in the middle of a busy restaurant there's something that happens when two or three gather around Christ It's exciting, and sometimes you want to laugh, you want to cry, you want to shout, and people are wondering, what's happening with you? And so he did abide with them. He went in and uh, sat with them and talked. I don't know if you understand, I'm redefining church. And it needs to be redefined. I don't know if I can explain any better or say it any clearer. I, I love the church. When I was real little, we lived in the church building. Can't say I enjoyed it. We lived in the the basement of a church. My father was a missionary and associate in this church. And and I was the firstborn, young family. And I was glad to get out of it. My mother made a coconut cake (coughs) for the church. She said if there was any left, I could have some of it. There wasn't any left. Church ate the whole cake. I learned to hate the church when I was five years old. Um, then we moved into a pastorium, which is like an aquarium, but you keep pastors in it. And uh, I swore I'd never be a preacher, nobody thought I would be. And, um, and then I got apprehended. Um, but there's something wrong with what we think about church. Jesus has to be the center of our fellowship. We're church wherever we go if he's there. The world needs to see us having church. The world needs to see us enjoying what we've enjoyed here in this meeting. That's good. They need to feel it on the outskirts of our gathering. They need to see that there's joy unspeakable and full of glory. They need to see that there's a peace that passes understanding that keeps our hearts in mind. It shouldn't just be our slogans on our website or on our sign. It should be something they see. And you know, when I, I listened, first time I listened to a tape, uh, and it was a tape, and the first time I listened to a tape, <laughs> it might have been a wire i 'm not sure I think it was a tape. <laughs> first I listened I, I, I took it in my office and closed the door where nobody else could hear it because I knew there was some strange things on that tape. and they were all laughing like you're laughing. and they were talking about Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and they were laughing. And enjoying it. And I wanted to get in that recorder. I thought if I could just get in there and have some of that. And I did eventually. We are redefining. He's not just preeminent in creation. Before the beginning began. He's not just eternal. He is all of that. But he's here, (laughs) he's with us, he said he would be. He's here, I don't he's somewhere in this room, he's here, he's alive. And it doesn't take a hundred of us, just two or three. Praise God, I like my own preaching sometimes. You know, I'm just thinking, (laughs) hallelujah. You can have this anywhere. Right. Amen. <laughs> Makes you want to talk in tongues. Praise God. <laughs> I don't know what I'd do if I couldn't speak in tongues. <laughs> they felt something. They, they they didn't invite him in because they were just being hospitable. They said, abide with us. Stay here. Don't leave. We we like what we felt coming down the hill. We feel better now. We don't know why, but we feel better. you've, You've shed some light on us. Let's come on inside. Let's talk about this some more. He sat with them. And then he saw bread on the table. Most homes kept bread on the table. He reached over. He picked it up and he blessed it. To hear Jesus himself bless something would have been something else. And then he broke it and he gave it to them. And they knew him. My God. My God. And he was gone. He wasn't gone. They just didn't see him anymore. He vanished. He didn't leave. Well, you talk about a tiring walk down the hill seven miles. They got energized. They went back up the hill seven miles. They took off. You can do a lot you don't know you can do when the Holy Ghost comes on you. I've seen people do strange things. There's a group. Of Baptists, I love Baptists. Old Baptist, oh, Baptist. Um, born Baptist hospital. Anyway, I don't go through that lit- litany. But I, Baptist colleges, Baptist wife, Baptist pets. Anyway, Baptist. And um, but there's a group of real conservative Baptists in Myrtle, Mississippi, Camp Zion. I don't know if they're still there, but they were there years ago, and they were kind of deep of life Baptists. And everything got baptized but their tongues. And, uh, and, and, and the Lord would come down in those meetings. And sometimes when he come down, they didn't know what to do. Um, and so they'd just run. It was out in the field, kind of in the woods, tabernacle. And so one would just get up and run. And they had a kind of a reputation. Uh, but the Spirit would move. I mean, the power of God would come down. And they'd run, and, and and one of my friends went up there, because he was hungry too, and um, he said a guy just jumped up out of his seat and ran all the way around the tabernacle, ran back and just sat down, just ran it off, kind of, you know. Every <laughs> once in a while, somebody just start running out through the field. <laughs> a friend of mine is a Pentecostal. He's with the Lord now, Casey Jones. Casey was a strange-looking guy. He had got kicked by a mule when he was young. He had a a big crash in his jaw there, and one eye went into his nose. And and he was a brilliant man. He never graduated from high school. I think he quit about seventh grade. But he could move anything. He could move an oil rig from the North Sea, just one of these strange-looking geniuses. And... um, and early on, when I began to travel, I went to Casey Jones's house. Everybody in Needler in Texas, Beaumont, Texas, knew Casey Jones. He was outgoing. And he had a, a two-car garage, and he had a, a prayer room over it, and people would gather and Bible study and get filled with the Spirit. and It was a great place. And he'd have 60, 70 people packed into that place. And so Casey, he, he, he talked kind of funny. And I was there, and he said... Uh, Brother Charles said, you ever heard of them running Baptists up in Myrtle, Mississippi? I said, yeah, I said, I I have heard of them, Casey, I I have. He said, well, I got one in here one night. I said, you did? He said, yeah, he said, he was standing there and I saw that look come come on him and he wanted to run and he took a step in here and I grabbed him and he started speaking in tongues. He said, you know, if you'll grab them running Baptists, they'll speak in tongues every time. (laughs) I don't know. I never caught one, but I. I I'll tell you, when the Holy Spirit came on those two guys, they ran back up the hill seven miles. They burst in They found those other disciples that had the mully grubs too. They burst in there and they said, He's risen indeed. We saw him. And you know, while they were talking to him, Jesus appeared. He showed up again. And he said, well, you want to touch my wounds? You want to see if I'm real? And uh, they didn't need to. And then he said, Let, let's have something to eat. And the process repeated again. They knew him and the breaking of bread. There's something wonderful about eating together in the presence of God. <clears throat> Special. It doesn't have to be about politics. It doesn't have to be about sports. It doesn't have to be about the market. It can be about Jesus. It can be about something the Lord is telling you that uh, they need to hear too. I don't know if I told this story when I was here before. Forgive me if you heard it, any of you, but when I was uh, in my teens, we had a stadium revival. Um... And they had a chalk artist, some of you remember chalk artists, and this guy was drawing a beautiful picture of the Jordan Valley, the desert scene and water running down through it. And he was talking the whole time and everybody's watching him, several thousand people. It looked like he had completed the picture. and. <clears throat> He said, now we're going to turn out the stadium lights and turn on the black light. And so they did. And everybody in the stadium gasped at the same time because he had been drawing two pictures, one they saw and one they didn't. The other picture was a picture of the fiery chariot from heaven coming down and sweeping Elijah up to heaven at first it just looked like a desert but then it looked like a mighty ascension and everybody gasped because they hadn't seen the real picture God's drawing two pictures one you see and one you don't and if we're not careful we get caught up in the one we see but if we'll keep fellowshipping with the Lord and around the Lord, he'll show us the one that he sees. And you'll say, all things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. You, you, things that didn't make sense will begin to make sense. I want to encourage you not to jump to conclusions because the conclusion hasn't happened yet. The possibilities of Christ-centered fellowship are unimaginable. I brought a series one time called Living in the Unimaginable. The Apostle Paul says that eyes not seen, ears not heard, the things that God's prepared for those that love him. But by his Spirit... He has revealed them unto us. We can actually see things that we haven't seen and we can live in the things that the Spirit is showing us and not in our blindness if we fellowship around Christ. The possibilities of Christ-centered fellowship are mind-boggling. Not only fresh perspective, heavenly perspective, wonderful revelation, peace, a sense of mission, guidance. I find it exciting to sit with people who don't know what God wants them to do next, but they want to know. I'm in that category. When you don't know exactly what God wants you to do next, but you really want to know, that's exciting because he'll show you. But you're on tiptoes. Your eyes are peeled. You really want to know. When he's preeminent in fellowship, he'll show us. Praise God.
1: Thank you so much for that pastor um, that was rich amen it does leave you want more and there is more there's more in the morning we'll be back at nine o'clock is that right nine o'clock in the morning um, but before then we have a fellowship time to actually we didn't know that this is actually going to be the talk that was going to happen this evening but to uh, practice this word that we have just heard and bring Jesus into our fellowship. Now, I know that we're in the South, and I know that this is an SEC football Saturday, uh, but it's a good opportunity to bring Jesus into our conversation. Amen? That's a great, great picture. I don't think any of us are going to forget that. We're also challenged by that thing of Jesus listening in on our conversations. Um, I'm going to try to remember that one because, um, um, yeah, that's 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 good. So God bless you. Have a great evening. Join us right down the corridor for uh, cookies and, and punch and drink and all that. And before we do, let's just go to God and, and seal this word in our hearts in prayer. Our Lord, we thank you so much that... That the story didn't stop for these two disciples thought that it did. They had heard a rumor that for them at this time was, was still not corroborated. And uh, Lord, you are indeed risen. We thank you for that, living God. That as we are journeying on the paths that you've laid out for us in this life that you you do come along and, and you give us opportunities to invite you in, Lord God, that we might fellowship with Jesus, the preeminent one, that you would be preeminent in our fellowship. So, God, Lord, we pray that this would be a word that we not only hear, but that we put into practice, that, that we would not miss opportunities along the way to have Jesus at table with us, Oh God. So, Lord, we thank you and just pray, Lord, that you would seal this word in our heart, Father. And as we go into this evening for a time of fellowship together, we do invite you to be with us. We love you, Lord. and pray that you would be with us as we go from here. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless. to be there again. Yeah. Dude, that was good. Oh, that was good work. Yes, sir. I could just,
0: you could just see those disciples cutting it back up that hill. Just running that through the